This week's episode of the Cloudcast is brought to you by Intel Cloud for All, driving the creation of thousands of clouds. Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delb and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to the Cloudcast, coming to you live from our massive studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, just me tonight. Um, and tonight, we're going to do something a little bit different. Um, we're going to uh, put on a little Beethoven. We're going to put on our smoking jacket. We're going we're gonna to do a book review tonight. Um, no, actually, we're, I'm just sort of messing around with you. We are going to do. We are going to talk about a book, though, tonight. We we have a uh, really kind of exciting guest. Sometimes, and and I recommend this to to people all the time. Um, if you've got a really cool topic that you want to come talk to us about or share with people, just tell us. And tonight's guest, uh, Dave Zwiebeck, who is uh, not only the uh, author of a brand new book, which we're going to talk a bunch about, uh, called Beyond Blame, uh, but also head of engineering at Next Big Sound, which is part of Pandora. So, Dave, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. Glad to be here, Brian. Um, so, uh, like like I told folks, you you kind of reached out to us and you said, hey, guys, uh, wrote, 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 wrote this book. And we've had a number of people who've reached out to us about different things. And, and sometimes they're, you know, they're kind of uh, just pimping stuff because they're, you know, something new. The timing of this is really good. Now, you and I were talking about this before the show. So anybody who's been listening recently, uh, you know, when we were talking with Mark Imbriaco, we got to talking about, um, you know, kind of the, the human side, the collaboration side of, of operations and, and the challenges that, that are going on with that. And people are trying to keep systems up and running. And um, we a little bit talked about a little bit about burnout and, and, and people not trying to figure out how to deal with these systems that are running 24-7. We talked with Bridget Cromhout last week uh, about what it's like to be in operations and, and being with, with pagers and all that stuff. And so this is sort of the next perfect chapter. So the timing of this was really good. Give us a little bit about your background because you, uh, you know, one of the things that we always like to have when, when people talk about big topics is, you know, you, you're sort of living it. Um, talk about what you do in your day-to-day job and, and your background and, and what you're doing over at Big Sound for or next Big Sound first. So I've been in and around large-scale complex systems for about 20 years now. And certainly have had, uh, have witnessed and have been part of many an outage. Um, but also, you know, built some systems that are still probably running all these years later. Yeah, so I've been at Next Big Sound for about two and a half years, a little bit less than that. And as you mentioned, we've been recently acquired uh, by Pandora, another uh, reasonably large. And many uh, people have heard. Well, at least in the U.S., we currently only stream in the in the U.S. and uh, Australia and New Zealand. But we're we're um, we're pretty big. Let's put it that way. So I spent about the first fifteen years of my career, pretty much in large enterprises, uh, many of them in finance or pharmaceuticals. And whenever things went wrong, I've certainly witnessed a lot of kind of default behavior. Um, finding somebody to blame or to punish and so on. And, you know, it always felt a little weird, not just from a kind of human perspective, but from a, I, I don't know if like letting this person go or limiting this person's access to the system is actually going to help us in the future. You know, it's like you, you get that discomfort of, I'm not sure if this actually is helping. Right. Um, and so after a little while, I sort of started to uh, be part more of this sort of velocity, DevOps, whatever you call that kind of 
uh, echo chamber and uh, met John Allspy and some of the folks that you also mentioned, Mark uh, Imbriaco, who's a big inspiration as well. And, you know, they, they were talking about a completely different approach to handling, you know, complex systems and how they failed and also how they functioned. And so I got really inspired and a lot of what they've brought um, to our field has to do with sort of the human factors uh, of things or the resilience engineering or even sort of the cognitive psychology. And so it's certainly outside of, you know, my own comfort zone and many of us are kind of, <laughs> uh, it's a little bit outside of everybody's comfort zone, right? Right, right. For, for most of the techies with traditional backgrounds. Yeah, and it, you know, and it, and it sort of dawns. I mean, Mark, Mark and I were talking about it, and and I said, look, you know, we're we're kind of moving uh, from this from this world where, you know, if you were in big enterprise IT, um, you know, in essence, you could kind of you could kind of buy your way to uh, a comfort level, and mm. and I don't want to say you you could buy your way to stability, but but the types of applications tended to be you know relatively stable. They weren't kind of living in constant chaos and you could you could buy enough hardware or enough bandwidth or something to sort of go hey i, I feel pretty comfortable that you know on most saturday nights and friday nights you know i'm not going to get paged and and that's kind of changing i mean the economics are changing the 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 end user experience of you know not only 24 by 7 but just like instant responsiveness and and you know cool uis and uh you know really intelligent you know, recommendations and stuff is, is, is really changing that. And, and when I think about the, the folks that are tasked with operating these things, you know, the, the level of, exp- once the level of expectations goes up, you know, the level of stress goes up, the level of, you know, the people that run the business, you know, their stress levels go up. What drove you to go, Hey, I want to, I want to write about this as opposed to just, you know, maybe getting better at it as a craft professionally. So once I've sort of had this, uh, I don't know, epiphany or sort of paradigm shift, yeah. Where it's like, oh, there is a completely different way to treat outages and the people involved in them, right? And that particular way actually results in more resilient systems over time. Then, you know, a lot of my former coworkers and all the folks that I've worked with over the last two decades, many of them, that approach is super counterintuitive. Right. We jump to this conclusion, the blame, right, so easily. Like, let's say you're driving behind some guy or girl in the car and she slams the brakes. What are you doing? Right? Right. Like it must, must be her fault. Right. Or his so, fault or whoever's, right? Exactly. Right. And it feels really good because we have that like kind of immediate and comfortable story yeah. about what happened. And then we can go on our merry way. And But if we really like stop to think like that's not even like the tip of the iceberg, right? right. And so what we left on the table when we jump to that quick blame conclusion is a lot of learning, right. you know, things that can actually, in that, in that example, can actually make driving for ourselves and others safer, for instance, right? right. And so what, what really kind of, this, this is a bit of a passion project for me okay. um, because, um, like, I, I really would love to see this way of thinking take root, especially in some of the industries that I worked with, like finance, where it's certainly a lot, a lot of blame, and also the opposite of blame, a lot of sort of hero worship right. that goes on. Um, and neither of those, of those things 
you, you know, there's, there's a little bit here. Like I have money in the financial system, as I'm sure you do, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. And it's like I have kind of a vested interest that that system continue to work reasonably well. Right. You know, so even on that level, I feel like um, it's an important thing to um, talk about and to try to get out there. Right. So when you had, when you had reached out to us, you said, "Hey, here's a here's a copy of the book," and um, I had a chance to to go ahead and read it, and I I wasn't totally sure what I was going to get myself into, only because and and I hope this doesn't come across the wrong way to the to the DevOps community, um, but a lot of times you know they 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 want to cite. Um, you know, these very sort of esoteric theories and, you know, have you read, you know, have you read so-and-so's writing? Have you read so-and-so's writing? And, and you kind of feel like there's a part of you going, okay, this is going to be a big academic exercise. And it really, maybe it, maybe it's, it really sort of reflects, it relates to like manufacturing, but I have to sort of, you know, tie it to, to, to data centers or, or moving bits or whatever it is. And, and the thing I loved about your book, and I'm not going to give away the, 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 the theme of it, but but for anybody, and, and and I and I'll say this just purely from you know being completely transparent, I read the thing in two hours. It's about eighty pages. It took me about two hours. It's really a good read, and the whole concept of it is is it centers around this idea of of blameless postmortems, which is or I'll, I'll say that that's the that's sort of at least the the most common term I think, but it, it's it's written very much in the same tone that Gene Kim had written the Phoenix project. So for anybody who's read the Phoenix project, and I, and I hope that's a, a fair analogy or a sort of comparison. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's written in, in sort of a, a storytelling mode so that you can relate to it. There are characters, you can sympathize with the characters, you can relate to the characters. Why did you, why did you take that approach? Cause I, you know, a lot of times it's, you know, you, you have to have read Deming and you have to have read so-and-so and so-and-so. And so. Like, why did mm-hmm. you take the storytelling approach as opposed to something else? I actually wanted to write a book that I could read. Yeah. And and I had to actually read a lot of the, the, the folks that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I did read uh, Daniel Kahneman's 500-page Thinking Fast and Slow. I did read a bunch of Sidney Decker's work. David's work, David Wood's work. These are the folks from sort of uh, safety or um, uh, resilience engineering. Mm-hmm. You know, Eric Hanegel, you know, Gary Klein, all, all these folks. Right. And they're, and they're fantastic things. Don't, don't get me wrong. They're yeah. tremendous thinking uh, put in there. Uh, absolutely. And, and you know, I, I cite them. Um, and, of course, I'm basically standing on the shoulders of giants, right? Sure. The, the term of blameless postmortem, you know, comes from John Ospa, currently, you know, CTO of Etsy. And so, like, all the credit goes to these folks. They're deep thinkers, you know. And what I wanted to do is to sort of make it a vivid story yeah. that you can relate to. And I think we all, like, if we've been around, you know, big complex systems for a while, we, we'll relate to what happens in the book, uh, which, you know, is, is an incident that almost essentially takes uh, a big financial institution out of business. Mm-hmm. And, and we'll relate to the characters and we'll recognize parts of ourselves in these characters yep. and the journeys that they have to go through to sort of get to that understanding of like, oh, this old way of thinking about it, maybe it's not that useful. Right. It's not really bad. It's just not that helpful. And um, so that, that's the reason that, that I wrote a short kind of pithy it's, – it's a work of fiction. Mm-hmm. But what the, the number one feedback that I've uh, gotten, especially from folks who sort of worked in finance, 
uh, is like, oh my God, this is like, this describes my world. Right. You know, certainly I've changed names to protect the innocent. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, a lot of these are composite sort of characters and folks that I've actually worked very closely with and that I have a lot of, you know, empathy for. And right. so, yeah, and this, and this was also sort of the audience who I was writing for. I can, I can speak for myself. I've, uh, I, I wasn't working for any of the financial institutions, but I was working support for some vendors that, that used to you know, provide equipment to them. And, and I've been mm. on that side of it where uh, we, were either, we were either trying to fix it or we were probably the root cause of some of those problems. So, yeah, that's, uh, it's a very relatable story for anybody who's uh, you know, been hands-on in the industry. So I, I want to talk a little bit. I mean, it's the, at the core of it, you talk about kind of how, you know, why people have to change their, some, some ways of thinking. And I won't give away the, the kind of the premise of the book, but give us some background as to, you know, why this is a reality. Why, why do people have to start thinking about some of these, um, you know, learning processes and, and so forth differently? Uh, what's, what's changed in the underlying systems? Well, um, it's, again, it's the complexity um, of the system. Um, or, or the systems that we work with. And by the way, when I say systems, I also mean the humans that are working within these systems that are trying to operate these systems. Right. It's basically we're at the stage where certainly no single human can really reason or understand about some of these systems. Let's put it that way. You know, they're just too big and too dependent. I mean, just to give you an example, right? If you run anything in AWS, you could sort of reason about some of these things. But of course, there's a, there's a level of abstraction beyond which you're probably not going to be able to reason right. or understand too much. You know, so read any AWS postmortem just to understand, oh my God, the complexity of that system is incredible. And right. even the folks that are dealing with it day in, day out, that have built it, cannot predict how it's going to function or how it's going to break down. Right. And so because of that, because of all that sort of emergent behavior um, the, uh, that is inherent with, with complex systems, um, we have to approach them differently. And so we basically have to take anything that happens in them as a learning opportunity, right? Yep. And so not only the things that, that go wrong, but also the things that go right. The more we can learn about the system as a result, the more, you know, the more understanding we can build, the more resilient that system becomes. Right. You know, one of the things when, uh, and I don't know if you, 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 you realize this, but anytime you, uh, sort of start talking about a topic and the, the topic is, hey, we've got to make some changes in order to get better. There's an inherent thing that sort of goes, okay, um, is this a, a binary thing where we either have to do that or it won't work, which I don't think is the case here. No. And then the second thing becomes, well, given where any company is today, so we're, you know, we're, we're company X and we sort of are here in terms of how we deal with when there's failures and, 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 and trying to to learn from them. How do we get better? Do you, um, you know, this isn't one of the things that's called out in the book. Cause again, the, the book is really around this, this story. I mean, have you found, is there sort of a, a journey to better postmortems or a journey to how to do more enlightened learning? Um, mm -hmm. you know, is there, is there steps that people can kind of follow or, or frameworks they can follow? I, what a great question. Thank you for asking it. Um, I would love to be able to write and sell you know, like a best practice, like do this, Yeah. you know, uh, one of these sort of clickbait, clickbait titles, like five steps to a better, 
you know, learning reviews or better postmortems or whatever right. it is. Right. Yeah. Um, the thing is, because we're dealing with complex systems, right? And because, as you very correctly pointed out, it has a lot to do with culture, corporate culture, company culture. Yeah? It is not something that there is no best practice. It's something that you will have to figure out, you know, that sort of makes sense in your own organization. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the first point. The second point is the it's a gamut. It's a it's a spectrum, right? You never get to hundred percent blame free, bias free, simply because you've got human beings involved, right? right? And it's just pretty much impossible for us to get there. What you can do is over time slowly move the needle towards a more helpful kind of postmortems, more helpful learning reviews. Yep. And by the way, I use these terms interchangeably. I think that postmortems have a lot of history and a lot of kind of even the name postmortem, like after death, you know, some, yeah, sounds, somebody died. Sounds right. kind of morbid. Sinister, and yeah. You know, there's a lot of history about what it means. And usually you do it only when something fails and all this kind of stuff. So I, I certainly personally prefer the term learning review mm-hmm. uh, because it kind of, in, even in the phrase, it allows to kind of set the context. Hey, this thing is about learning. We're going to get together and we're going to do some stuff. We're going to talk about some stuff that hopefully helps us learn, um, not figure out, you know, the root cause or who, who killed, you know, John Kennedy or whatever it is. So it's, it's, it's a gamut, right? And it's, it's about moving your organization forward. What I offer in the book and what we also offer in the, the, the postmortems workshop that my partner and I conduct is a framework and approach to conducting, it's an approach to conducting these learning reviews effectively. Mm-hmm. And in our experience, the biggest kind of part of that that I think anybody can adopt reasonably easily, it's about setting the context and reminding the participants of that learning review what this thing is about. So, you know, it, it talks about, it reminds folks, hey, we're dealing with a complex system. You know, it has emergent behavior we could not have predicted how this thing that we're about to try to review would have gone, right? No way, right? right? It's emergent behavior. Secondly, you know, we're going to be under the influence of biases. Sure. You know, so cognitive biases, outcome bias, hindsight bias, fundamental attribution error. I cover some of these things in the book. Right. Uh, but if you want the canonical text on that, certainly Daniel Kahneman's work, you know, he got the Nobel Prize <laughs> in behavioral economics for doing that work. So definitely refer to his work. Gary Klein as well, by the way. So how can we as a team be mindful of these biases? And what can we do as a group to sort of counteract them? Individually, it's very hard. Like, uh, you know, Daniel Kahneman says that he's no better now, 40 years after starting to to study cognitive biases, at spotting them in himself than he was 40 years ago. But as a group, if we're sort of a little bit versed in and what those things look like, how they manifest, then we have a chance of, on a group level, being able to counteract them right. to a certain extent. So I'm going I'm to sort of ask one last question here, mm-hmm. um, and, and we, we can go on about this. I, I'm going to give away just a, a tidbit of the book. The, the book throughout, there's this, there's this concept of, of accountability. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the people that are in charge or management or represented as management talk about accountability. And, and there's an area where one of the characters um, sort of gives this alternative definition of accountability and, it, and it's it's presented in a way that you know kind of kind of in a way when when people go well the origin of a word really means this and and what it, 
I, I guess what I'm what I'm wondering is, and maybe you cover this in some of your um, some of the things when you when you do your teaching. Um, to me, it sort of jumped out at me as you know, most people tend to think about accountability as th- there's like there's a blame aspect to it, and this really mm-hmm. was a what we want is all of the information um, without any any blame, and that was part of the part of the definitional thing. I I, I can see where this takes. Uh, root in in certain cultures because uh you know especially you know the the, the technologists who are tasked with this what do you find um you know because accountability if you if you go to business school or you sort of are, are in these management circles where there's mbos and kpis and all these other sort of measured things mm-hmm. that how do you get through that part of it i mean i i know that's part of all the other culture but but accountability is one of those words that i think people sometimes sort of think they know what it means. And, and you do a really interesting job of, of expanding upon that. The definition of accountability actually comes from the U.S. military of all places. And basically what it, what it means in that, in that context is being compelled to provide an account of what happened. Now, since this whole learning review thing and blameless postmortems, the, its sole goal is to let that sort of unleash that learning to let that information flow. And when we have real accountability, meaning that people actually provide, you know, full accounts of what had happened, that's when that that's when we can maximize our learning. Yeah. So when when there is full accountability, meaning people are able to provide a full account of what happened, that's when that learning is maximized. Now the moment you have any blame it's a very natural human reaction to that or fear of punishment, you know, yeah. to basically cover your ass, right. right? To limit the amount of information that you disclose, to, you know, edit it, to withhold, to like try to escape being involved in these reviews and so on. Right. And so it's a very natural thing. And so um, folks like Sidney Decker, I mean, they basically say that, you know, you get to pick one. You either get to pick accountability or you get to pick blame, you know? And so, so that's, that's essentially the redefinition of accountability is kind of uh, necessary. And it's, it's, a very uncomfortable, it's a very uncomfortable transition, I have to say. I mean, like, even because of very natural accountability, that transition from an accountability, which basically means whose throat am I going to choke? Whom am I going to blame? Whom whom am I going to punish? Who is the root cause of a particular incident? To an accountability of I am going, you know, I would like to collect and gather as much information from as many diverse perspectives as possible so that we can learn, so that we can maximize learning, so that we can make our systems better over time. It's a very uncomfortable transition, you know, because um, like even for myself, like, the first place I go when I hear about something is, well, who is responsible, right? Like, who did this? Who moved the cheese? Um, and luckily, I've been <laughs> doing this work for a little while to where, like, the, the second thing that comes is, like, well, that's a nice story. Yeah, no, no, like, what is it? Cool story, bro. But that story that I just constructed about, you know, what happened is just not that helpful. It yeah. basically stops the learning on a very surface level. Right, right. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely a um, you know this is like you said this is getting into some some psychological things that that are pretty pretty deeply ingrained in people and um, you know 
as we're as we're dealing with more complicated systems, more interconnected systems, you have to realize that there's you know sort of second order effects that are happening that that people you know if they want to be successful and want to stay with it for a long time are going to have to start to 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 get very uh, versed with as well as they get versed with with the technology because there's a people aspect of this and there's a there's an expectation aspect of this. Um, yep. Listen, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap it up with that. This has been like I said, I'm I really like the book. I really enjoyed it. I recommend it to people. Um, you know, we'll, we'll have a link to the show notes. What's what's the best way for people if they you know wanna wanna follow? You know, they, they go read the book. They're in the middle of it. They want to follow up with you, or they just kind of want to. Uh, you know, figure out what else you're you're interested in doing. What's what's a good way to kind of follow you or, or find what what you're working on? Um, well, first of all, thanks for the for the kind words. You're welcome. Um, and uh, you can find me on Twitter at MindWeather um, and MindWeather.com, which we are in the process of sort of revamping so that folks have a little bit more information about the workshops that we do and uh, sort of other uh, coaching type services that we provide to folks that are interested in this journey cool very cool yeah simple thoughts on complex systems so listen dave thank you so much for being on tonight uh, really enjoyed it um folks like i said uh if you're interested in the book uh, it's called beyond blame we'll have a we'll have a link to it in the show notes um so thank you very much for being on tonight uh for aaron who should be on uh, here pretty soon uh thanks for everybody and uh, have a great week and and thanks for listening thank you for listening to the cloudcast please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows show notes videos and everything social media 